Romans unloaded or reloaded? Reloaded, sorry, not unloaded. (laughs) Uh, We're looking at uh, Romans chapter 8. We've been working through Romans chapter 8, looking at different verses, different themes. Today we're looking at, uh, we're up to Romans 8, 28. And it says this, And we know that all things, everyone say all things, all things work together for good for those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. I love this verse. God has a purpose. According to His purpose. God has a purpose. God has a grand design. He has a grand design for your life. He has a grand design for your future. He has a grand design for the earth. He has a grand design. The world is not running by coincidence, happenstance. God has a plan. He has a purpose and He is working it out. He's working it out in our lives and He's working it out in the world. And we're part of that. We're part of that solution. We're part of that answer. The God of all hope. All things are working together for good. Ephesians 1.11 says this, It is Christ that... It is in Christ, sorry. It is, it is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, He had His eye on us, had, his, had designs on us for glorious living. Glorious, I like that. Glorious living. Part of the overall purpose. There it is again. Part of the overall purpose He is working out in everything and in everyone. How awesome is that? God has a purpose and He's working it out. And it's found in Jesus Christ. His grand design. Forget about that show, Grand Designs. Anybody watch that on the ABC? Has anybody watched the ABC? Grand Designs. Forget about Grand Designed Houses, although some of them are pretty good. God has a grand design for your life, for your future, a great purpose that He is working out. And it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Even long before we came to Christ, even when we were away from Him, even when we weren't even contemplating Him, just living our way. It says He had His eye on us. He was at work in us. He was at work in our world, creating and organizing, orchestrating things that we would come into the knowledge of Him, that we would come and have an opportunity to know Him and discover what it is He has for our lives. You know, sometimes we read this verse, and I read it a lot, Romans eight twenty-eight. I quote it a lot. If anyone's ever come to me for counselling, that's what I'll tell you. <laughs> that's not my greatest gifting. Um, but um, I've got a ministry of rebukes. That's my gift. <laughs> no, joking. joking. Um, but sometimes we read this scripture and we think, well, all things are working together for good. For those who are called, it's in Christ, part of his overall purpose, he's working out for us. And sometimes we read this and we think that God's just going to do it all. He's just going to make all these things happen and we can sit back and, and just watch it unfold. 
because we're believing in God, because we're in church, because we're tithing, because we're doing these things, then all this stuff's just going to work out for us. All these things are just going to happen for us. But it's not going to happen apart from us. It's not going to happen separated from us. God is going to do it in us and then through us. It's as we change. It's as our mindset changes. It's as our paradigm changes. As we see things differently, as He changes our thinking, as He heals our heart, as He works in our world, things begin to change. We begin to change and things begin to be worked. God is going to do it in us and through us, not apart from us. He's not just going to make all these things happen and we're not going to have anything to do with it. You know, in the Bible, you know, there's different th- people in the Old Testament. They represent uh, different attributes and different approaches to God. And a couple of uh, Abel, if you know the story of Cain and Abel, it says that Abel worshipped God by faith. And when we worship God, when we bring our worship, when we're standing here worshipping, it's not just about singing songs. It's about coming with an anticipation, expectation of faith. We enter into His presence with faith. We're believing God with faith. And Abel represents that approach to God. It says he brought a better offering because he brought an offering that had faith in it, an expectation of God. It wasn't just, oh, whatever, you can have that. He came with faith. It says, it says Enoch walked by faith. Enoch had a relationship with God and he walked with God and he walked with faith. And where Abel represents our worship of God and entering into that relationship with God in faith and in expectation and in anticipation of what God is going to do in us and through us. And Enoch is about walking with God and walking in in the understanding and the relationship of God has and our purpose and just walking that out. He drew close to God as he walked with God. So Noah in the Bible represents working by faith. Abel is worshipped by faith. Enoch is walking by faith. Noah represents us working by faith. If you know the story of Noah, it says, That God gave Noah a plan. He gave him a forewarning of things. He said, I need you to start to do some stuff. I need you to begin to prepare things. I need you to begin to do some things. He warned him. He gave him a a vision. He provided for him. But God didn't build the ark. It was Noah's job to build the ark. God gave him the vision. He gave him the attributes. He forewarned him. He told him what he needed to do. He told him what was going to happen. And then he said, build the ark. Some of us are sitting back praying and hoping that God is going to build our ark. God's not going to build your ark. God has given you the forewarning. He's given the vision. He's given us the, the skills, the abilities. He's given us his spirit. He's given us direction. He's given us hope. He's given us encouragement in his word. And he says, now go and build the ark. Build the ark so that you're ready, so that that will be the vehicle that is going to take you into God's destiny and purpose. If, I, if, if Noah hadn't have built that ark, he would have drowned with every other person. He would have drowned with faith in God. He would have, would have drowned worshipping. His hands would have been the last thing to go under, but he still would have drowned. Because God said, build an ark. God gives us His Word. He gives us clear instructions. He gives us clear words 
of how to live our lives, how to live with anticipation, what to do, what not to do, who to get involved with, who not to get involved with, how to make wise decisions. It's all in there. He's given us a spirit that we were led by His Spirit. And then sometimes when things go wrong, we go, God, what are you doing? He's saying, are you building your ark? Are you doing what I asked you to do? Now, sometimes the things that happen in our life are our responsibility, either the decisions that we've made or that we didn't make, but sometimes they're not. Sometimes it's got nothing to do with us. Sometimes it's decisions that other people have made. Sometimes people in authority, sometimes people in positions of trust that have made decisions or behaved in certain ways that has affected us adversely, and we are dealing with the consequences of their decisions. It's not always our fault and our responsibility, but this Scripture makes it clear to us that no matter what has happened in the past, no matter what's going on, no matter what has happened, God can bring good out of it. No matter what regrets of the past, no matter what circumstances of the past, no matter what things have happened in the past, God says, I can work all those things out for your good in the future. I can take the lessons. I can take the hurt. I can take the discouragement, the disappointment. I can take all of those things and I can actually work them out for your good. Now, sometimes we have to take this scripture and live it by faith. Anybody ever been in that place? It's, oh, I don't see it right now. These things aren't happening. I don't see things working out for good right now. But sometimes we think that the Scripture says that all things are good. A little bit like what Nicole was saying here this morning. It doesn't say all things are good for everyone who believes God. Sometimes things are not good. Sometimes they actually suck. But God says, I can work those things out for you for those who put their trust in God. See, oftentimes we take our trust away from God and we begin to try and work it out in our own ability, in our own concepts, in our own thinking, our own stratagems. We do all this stuff because we don't see God doing something. We think, well, we can do a better job than God. He's he's taken long service leave and nothing's happening, so... We take control again and we begin to work it out. We no longer trust Him with our life. We don't trust Him with our circumstances. We don't trust Him with what's happening. And so we begin to do it again in our own strength. But the Scripture doesn't say that all things work together for good for everybody. It says we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who have called according to His purpose. What does it mean to love? What does it mean to love God? It means to love Him with our heart, to listen what He says, and to do what He asks. We love Him, therefore we obey His commands, and all things work out for our good. We trust in Him with our life, with our future. That's the way it works. And there's no point sitting around waiting for God to build our ark for us. Now, God does work supernaturally at times. He did take the children of Israel through the wilderness and into that promised land. But you know what? When they got to the edge of the promised land, when they crossed over the Jordan River and they went into that place, guess what? The manna stopped. The supernatural provision stopped. 
And he said, now I want you to go out and fight. In my power and in my strength and with the vision that I've given to you, I've empowered you now to take that promised land. You go out and fight. You go out and conquer. You go out and take a hold of it. You go out and take what belongs to you, the things that I've said are yours. And if they had gone into that, and initially they couldn't do it. They said, no, we can't do that. The opposition's too big. The enemy's too big. The, the, the circumstances are too great. We're, we don't, we're not capable. We're not uh, proficient at that. And, and they failed to enter in to that place. They failed to take a hold of what God had for them. Um, that doesn't mean to say God never works supernaturally. He does, but that's not his main way of operating. He wants to empower you. He wants to take a hold of your life, your thinking, your heart, transform it into the image of God. See his scriptures, walking in them by faith and seeing that promised land taken so that it's him and us at work. Him in us, through us, to see these things coming to pass. Um, Romans 15, 13 says this, Now may the God of hope, is that the God that you're worshipping today? Is that the God that you believe in? Is that the God that you know? The God of hope. The God of hope. Let Him fill you with all joy and peace in believing. That you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not saying that we abound in hope if all the circumstances look great. It doesn't say that we can abound in hope and peace if we've got a great job and a great income. We own our own home and go on holidays every year to overseas destinations. It doesn't say that our hope is based in the circumstances that we find ourselves. Hope is not an emotion. Hope is not a personality trait. Hope is a person. His name is Jesus Christ. And He's the God of all hope. And when we take a hold of Him, no matter what we face, no matter what's going on, no matter what has happened or what has looked like it could happen, we can have hope, we can have faith, and we can have peace that all things are working together for good for those who love God in Jesus' name. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Hope's the fuel that drives us on towards the things we're believing for. Hope is the power that lifts us up when we fall. Hope brings us answers and solutions to the problems we're facing. Hope is not an attitude. It's not an emotion. It's not a personality trait. Hope is a person. And when we have Him in our lives, when Jesus Christ is in our life, no matter what we're facing, we have hope. No matter what we're facing, we believe that we're able to overcome, to go through, to help move forward. Hopelessness, a sense of hopelessness, is to be in a place without Christ. For the believer, for someone who has Christ in their life, to feel hopeless is to not be taking a hold of Him who is hope. You have hope if you have Jesus Christ. You have hope. In the future, you know, hope, hopelessness, a sense of not having hope, leads to helplessness and a relinquishing of our dreams and our desires where we just feel like we can't get up. 
because we feel hopeless about unchanged circumstances, then we become helpless. You know, in 1975, uh, there was a bunch of experiments that were done by a psychologist by the name of Seligram. Seligman. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of him. I was reading about this. You have? 1975, bunch of experiments around um, uh, learned behavior. Anyway, Seligman was studying escape learning and found that dogs, he did these experiments on dogs, dogs that were forced to stay in a box where they were repeatedly electrically shocked. (laughs) I don't think they'd be allowed to do those experiments these days. But (laughs) anyway, that aside, forced, uh, he would put dogs in a box where there was no way out, where they would uh, repeatedly be getting electrically shocked. And uh, when they couldn't find a way out, this is what he discovered in the behavior of these dogs, that soon, after a period of time, they gave up trying to escape, despite the fact that they were continually being electrically shocked. When they couldn't find a way out, after a period of time, they stopped looking for a way out and accepted the fact that they were going to be continually shocked and they had no way of getting out of it. That's the behavior. 65% of the dogs, the next day, after being electrically shocked, put in the same box, and one of the sides of the box were opened up so that the dog could easily get out of of that box and move forward. 65% of those dogs did not leave those circumstances, continually got electrically shocked, even though there was a clear way of getting out of that place because they'd accepted the fact that this was their destiny, that this is what they, where they were going to live and this was going to be the future of their circumstances. They did not find, they could not see their way out, even though it was right in front of them. Sometimes we are so blinded by our sense of hopelessness or inability to change our circumstances that even when hope is staring us in the face, we can't see it and we don't even look for a way out of our circumstances because we've learned to accept that this is the way life is and it's a lie from the devil. The Bible says Jesus is the God of all hope, that there's a way out, there's a way through. He is the way, He is the truth, He is the, he is the everything else. <laughs> He's the answer. I don't want to see you in a place, in a circumstance where you feel like you're in a box and you're being electrocuted or circumstances are continuing to punish you and you've tried to get out and you've tried to change and you've tried to look for other solutions, whether it be relationally, whether it be educationally, whether it be um, uh, career-wise or, or, or job-wise or anything like that. And we get to the point where we are no longer looking for a way out. And even when there is a way out, we can't see it. Because we've learned to accept that this is the way things are. Their sense of helplessness. This was his conclusion. Seligman's conclusion. That the dog's sense of helplessness, which came from their hopeless situation, emotionally crippled the dogs to where they could not recognize hope. They could not recognize a way out, even when it was right in front of them. Even when it was right in front of them. When we open up the pages of the Bible, 
which is on my iPhone. <laughs> when we open up our Bible app, when we look at the Word of God, we continually find stories and circumstances of people who found themselves in a hopeless and helpless situation, and in the midst of those circumstances, found Jesus Christ who showed them the way out of that place. That scripture, you know, oftentimes we hear that scripture that I read at the start, and if you've been around church for a while and you think, oh, yeah, okay, I've heard that before. Yeah, okay, yeah, let's move on. Not even, not even allowing that truth to sink into our heart because we may have stepped out once before and failed. Maybe we've tried it once before and it didn't work. And just like those dogs, we no longer even hear the, the promises. We no longer even see the hope that's there. When he says all things are working together for good, we go, yeah, yeah, I know, I've heard that. That's a great scripture to quote, but not for me. Things don't work out for me. Things don't work for me. God doesn't love me. He loves other people, but he doesn't love me. In Christ, we find out who we are. Long before we heard, we hear these scriptures and they just, they just wash over the top of us. We no longer even believe them. We no, we no longer actually even hold on to them. It's like we're Teflon coated. It's like we're inoculated against the promises of God. And it's not deliberate. Life has a way of doing this because it's not always easy. And things don't always work out. But God will always work them out in the long run as we continue to put our trust in Him. As we read the Scriptures, as I said, over and over again, we see stories of people in hopeless situations who were helpless and yet found Jesus Christ. There's a story in uh, Matthew chapter 9. You may know the story. It's called the woman of the with the issue of blood. If you know that story in Matthew chapter 9, this is a woman, a wealthy woman who had an illness and she was losing blood continuously. And it says that she spent a fortune going to doctors. She spent all of her money. She was a rich lady. And yet she, she utilized, used up all of her money trying to get healing, trying to fix this problem. And it says when all the money was gone, and she still wasn't healed. She was going to die. She was in a hopeless situation. She felt helpless because she tried everything she could with the money that she had to change her circumstances. But then it says, if you read through those scriptures, it says, but then she heard about Jesus. She heard about this Man, God, who was healing people, who could work miracles, who was changing people's lives. When she heard about Jesus, hope began to fill her heart. Faith began to be stirred up. And she said, you know what? If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. Where did that come from? Where did that idea come from? It came from the Word of God. She'd heard something about Jesus. She'd heard about what He was doing. She applied it to her own circumstance. She thought to herself, if He's doing that for others, He can do it for me. What's the difference? She went out into the crowd, even though she wasn't supposed to, because she had this issue. She was supposed to be ostracized. She wasn't allowed to mix with other people because she could contaminate them. She was uh, just... You weren't allowed to do that. And yet she fought against all that. She went up to the 
Jesus, who was a re- considered a religious man, and you weren't allowed to touch religious men in that day. You would be stoned to death if you even went up and put your hand on a religious person of that day. And yet, she believed that if she touched Jesus, if she took a hold of Jesus, her life would change. And she fought past all those thoughts and all that emotion and all those taboos and everything else. And she stepped out and laid a hold of him. And it says that Jesus said power came out of him. And she was healed out of a hopeless and helpless situation. Over and over again, we read these stories. Mark Mark 10, there's a story of a blind man. Talk about a hopeless and helpless situation. Doesn't say whether he was blind from birth, but he was blind and he had been blind for a long period of time. And it says four of his friends took a hold of him, put him on a stretcher and carried him, carried him to Jesus. Carried him to the presence of Jesus. Because they believed if they could get him to Jesus, Jesus would change his life. Jesus had been healing blind people. And they said, if, they, if he could do it for them, he can do it for me. He can do it for our friend. It says they carried him in. They couldn't get to him because of the crowds. They climbed up on the roof. You may know this story. They tore the roof up and they lowered him down right out the front. And Jesus says, what are you doing messing up this roof? <laughs> Get to the end of the queue. <laughs> All these other people are trying to get healed. What are you doing pushing in? He didn't say that. He said, I see your faith. And by your faith, you're healed. Get up and walk. Hopeless situation. A sense of helplessness. Transformed because he was brought into the presence of Jesus Christ. They saw Jesus as someone that could change their world. The last one, Mark chapter 10, verse 50, a story of, sorry, that wasn't a blind guy, that was the paralytic. I've mixed up, I've mixed up my Bible stories. Um, the last one in Mark 10, 50 is the story of a blind guy. The Bible goes on to say that his name was Bartimaeus. They knew him by name and he was a beggar by the side of the road on the way into Jerusalem and he would beg there every day. He was blind, he was relying upon other people, he was helpless and yet it said that Jesus was going past. He heard Jesus was coming by. And he began to yell out. He'd heard that other people had been healed. Other blind people were seeing. Paralytics, cripples were getting up and walking. And he began to shout out. He didn't care about what the other people thought. He didn't care what the other people were doing. They were telling him to be quiet. Oh, that's rubbish. All these things were happening. But he says he yelled out all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. As Jesus was going past, they're telling him to shut up, get out of the way. And then it says Jesus stopped. And he turned and he said, bring that guy to me. And they went and got him. And then, isn't it amazing how people change? They're telling him, oh, shut up, be quiet, you cripple, get out of the way. Jesus doesn't care about you. Then Jesus goes, come. And they go, oh, come, come, he wants you. Oh, you're special. And, he, he brought, and Jesus said, what is it you want me to do for you? And he says, I want to see. Why did he say, what do you want me to do? He wanted him to articulate his desire 
oftentimes we're at the point where we no longer are prepared or capable emotionally of reaching out and saying, God, I'm believing for this. We've got our hopes up in the past and it hasn't come through. We've believed for something in the past and it didn't work and, and we're no longer and Jesus saying, what is it you want? And he's saying it to you here this morning. Jesus is in this place. You're standing before him right now and he's saying, what is it you want? What needs to change? What needs to change in your world? in your life, in your circumstances. But here's what the Scripture makes clear to us as we look through it through the New Testament, that God is not going to do it apart from our faith, our trust, or us changing ourselves in some way, whether it be the way we think, the way we behave, what we're doing, that we begin to align ourselves despite what other people say, despite what else is going on, say, you know what, this is what I'm going to do. I am going to see this thing change. I'm going to see these circumstances turn around and I am going to be the answer for myself through Jesus Christ. He's going to work through me. He's going to change me and he's going to empower me to do something about what's going on right now. The God of all hope. Romans 8, 28 and we know. Do you know? That word know there in original language doesn't just mean an intellectual assent. It means a imbibing, a, a personalization of the knowledge, an intimate understanding that this is true. And we know. Do you know that Jesus has your life in his hands. Do you know that he's working all things together for good and that he's going to take everything that's gone on in your world, in your circumstances, every loss, every bereavement, every circumstance, every challenging situation, and he's going to take it all to work out for your good as you continue to trust in him, as you continue to believe, and as you continue to walk out your faith in Jesus Christ. And we know that all things... All things? Do you mean all things? Surely not all things. Surely only some things. No, it's not what it says. It says all things. All things are working together for good. All things. Every painful, every shameful Situation and circumstance, every failure, every loss. He's working out for your good, for those who love God, to those called according to His purpose. God has a purpose. He has a purpose for your life. Do you know what it is? And are you spending time discovering it? And living it out. You know, I was saying to someone before, you know, it's so, we've got this presence conference coming up. And I, I implore you, I encourage you to take some time out, spend some money to get in a place where you are empowered, where you are encouraged, where you're thinking in your heart, your, your faith is stretched. 
so that you can take a hold of the things that God has for you. You know, so often we, we'll spend thousands of dollars going on holidays around the world, overseas, uh, trips here, resorts there, which is awesome and fantastic that we have the resources to do that. But how much money do we actually invest and how much time do we put aside to get ourselves in a place where we're able to have our heart, our spirit and our life transformed by the Word of God so that we are aligned and set up for success in the future? How often do we prioritize those things in our life and say, I need to get to that. I need to put myself in this place so that I can take a hold of all that God's got for me. We'll spend, you know, I hear people from time to time, thousands of dollars, and that's great and it's fine. And then they go, well, I don't want to spend $165 going to a conference. That's so expensive. Are you kidding me? Anyway, that's my rant for the day. Whether it's presence, whether it's something, what are you doing to put yourself in a place to take a hold of the things that God has for you? Called according to His purpose. As we discover His purpose, as we align our life with His purpose, all things begin to work out for our good in Christ Jesus. Let's close our eyes here this morning. Father, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You. That your word works. Father, I break the power of the learned behavior of failure in Jesus' name. I break the power of hopelessness right here in Jesus' name. You may have stepped out in the past and it didn't work out. You may have stepped out in business and it failed. Maybe it went bankrupt. Maybe it didn't work out. Maybe you've stepped out in a relationship before. Maybe you've been married and it didn't work out and it failed and it was painful. Maybe you've stepped out in other areas of your life. Maybe it's ministry. Maybe it was some area of vocation. The Bible doesn't say that all things are good. And he doesn't say it's a perfect world. But what he does say, that if we're living according to his purpose and we're holding on to him, that he will work all things. Every painful, shameful, regretful, disappointing, upsetting, circumstance and situation whether it be by our own doing or someone else's not only can he heal us from that but he can use it for our future for our life for our purpose that's what jesus can do why don't we all stand here this